All right, here we are, and we're about ready to... Wait. Who are you people? <laughs> Doug, what is going on here? I don't recognize these other people. Well, I know it's not Travis, because he has a suit and tie on. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't see any giant sunglasses here. This is, a, this is a. This is. I think that we got ambushed. Here. I think we might be trying to do a competent version of connect this. <laughs> oh, heaven forbid we're competent. Uh, so for for people who aren't familiar, um, last I heard is that uh, Travis was going to pick Kim up in the RV, and they were going to check out some of the alien technology that the government has hidden away. Uh, so I think that's where they are. Uh, well, that would be par for the course for this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully it's some cool communications technology and we'll get a report yeah. back. Uh, Drew Clark, welcome. Hey, from, thank you. From uh, Broadband Breakfast, which I'm trying to see your, your title. I can't quite read it. There we go. Better Broadband, Better Lives. Is that a new, nice. is that a, a new uh, organization no. or just a cool slogan? That, that's the, that's the tagline. That's the slogan. We've been using that for more than a decade and, uh, you've actually asked me about it. It's it's just it's maybe a head scratcher. It's just a motto. It's a motto for yeah. what we're all about, right? Yeah, I've come up with a few of those over the years, and I've always been disappointed at how nobody takes notice of them. So <laughs> I'm familiar <laughs> with that. <laughs> Welcome. I'm excited to have you on. We're excited to have Angela Bennett on from Kitsap Public Utility District out there west of Seattle. Welcome. Thank you. Our tagline was broadband for all in 2009. So that kind of went away, but coming back. I'm just imagining that being written out as literally broadband for all in 2009. And you're looking at that in like 2015 and thinking. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we missed. Exactly. <laughs> and we got Doug Dawson back. Welcome, Doug. And, and I tried to change my official title to professional naysayer and Rye wouldn't let me. So I'm still a professional yaysayer. So whatever you all say, I, I completely agree. Well, and next week we'll see if we have a professional flip-flopper up there. Ah, uh, but uh, this is uh, my son. Uh, it was just completed first grade and um, they do this thing called yes days. I had never huh. heard of this before where the teacher has a to movie. Say, is a movie about it. Like yes days. It's like, Parents can't say no to what the kids ask them on yes day. Wow. Okay, I'm I'm going to wow. continue feigning ignorance because that's yeah, because that, that's a little scary. Bad <laughs> idea. Do not approve of yes day. No, no, no. But uh, but Doug, Doug's apparently doing a yes, a yes week maybe. Yeah, it seems like it. Yes. All right, we're going to talk about lots of interesting things today. We're going to talk a bit about where we are with bead and in this great Verge article that uh, that kind of uh, someone who hasn't been paying close attention, looking back and saying, wait a minute, why are we here? I thought we were going somewhere else. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk about, once again, I'm just going to complain a little bit more about my wireless service, <laughs> 5G and 4G. And um, we'll talk briefly about that. Uh, Middle Mile Awards came out from NTIA. Um, the uh, FCC Chair Rosenworcel, Jessica Rosenworcel, is... Uh, going to take comments and maybe do something on data caps, which is uh, super welcome. That's really cool. I'm excited to see that. Um, talk about capacity. Doug wrote a blog post about uh, people um, capacity, and I was just hanging out with uh, John Chambers recently. We were talking about the kind of connections that people take. We'll hear from Angela about uh, maybe what they see with the different packages on different ISPs. Uh, and then maybe just a little bit about like what's going on with reconnect or something like that. Maybe, um, you know, whatever we want to talk about, 
whatever people put in the chat, uh, we'll start off talking a little bit about Kitsap Public Utility District and what they're doing and the role of local utility districts. So um, with that, we should probably just jump into it. Uh, so Angela, um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about uh, Kitsap Public Utility District and uh, how you're not just like any old municipal ISP. Excellent, thanks Chris. Um, we are a, we really started as a water district and uh, in 2000, well 2000 PUDs were given the uh, authority to be able to provide wholesale broadband service in Washington state. And so our uh, general manager chose to step out and fund a middle mile uh, infrastructure throughout Kitsap County to connect all the anchor institutions. And that's really what we built off starting in 2003 and just continued that providing all of um, government, Navy, schools, all those different institutions, services. And then in 2015, we started getting residents knocking on our door, coming into the room saying, we hate our current service. We need you. Why can't I have what I have at my office at my house? And so we had to make sure it wasn't just that they hated the current provider, but had really good service. We needed to understand a little bit about what was going on within our county. And so we surveyed the county and uh, found serious areas where there wasn't service. And so our board decided, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna build a residential network and we keep it separate from our business network. And uh, we started expanding and are now serving 1700 residents in the rural unserved areas of Kitsap County. And well, a lot of not unserved anymore. Not unserved no. anymore, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. But I, so there's several things to, to talk about without yeah. turning the entire hour into the Kitsap PUD show, which we could, and we've done on the <laughs> Community Broadband Bits podcast if people want to dig into yeah. that. Uh, but um, a, a number of those projects, and I don't know, is it a majority of them um, that were this weird local utility district where you are, talk about yes days. You have yes, yes. days for your uh, your developments, uh, your residential Actually, areas. Actually, that is, we are a yes culture. We are, that is what we do as a government agency. We feel our job is to say yes to the community. How can we say yes is what we had to figure out with broadband because we're small. Um, and that's where we came up with using local utility districts. And that's a little bit unique for us. We had been using them for water up until now, but we had never used them for broadband. So how do we extend that service to our communities? And so what we do is we pay for middle mile. We construct that out using uh, kids at PUD funds uh, in unserved areas and focus on that middle mile. But for last mile, we work with the residents to do it. They petition us. They say, hey, we want it. We tell them how much it's going to be. We estimate it. And um, they agree. We build it. And then afterwards, we finance it for 20 years. So they're able to pay for those connections over 20 years. On average, it's running, you know, about $40 a month for that construction cost. And that's, I mean, it's really so, cool. So after 20 years, the $40 will drop off their bill. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and that, public, that, that, I guess that goes by address. So if someone moves into a house... They they just get the bill because they're in that district. Is that how it would? It's actually it's actually a lien um, okay. on the house itself and paid through an assessment. And so, as a public entity, there are some limitations on what you can do for financing. And that's the way we can do it. We can say, okay, it's guaranteed, so we can pay it back. Um, 
and and then this lien if the house sells it's it's a super um it's a super lien it has a cape and everything uh and it gets paid off no capes oh so you no just capes. so no at the capes. point of selling your house it just gets resolved okay. yeah or refinancing any one of those it turns out most mortgage companies don't want to be second yeah so yeah interesting yeah. Our average, our average LUD. Also, you can pay it up front. You can pay it at any time without penalty. And we finance these through our local bank and um, have gone out to RFP to see to make sure we're getting a the best deal we can for our community. And the local bank it considers this part of their investment in the community, and so they give us the best rates they can. That's awesome, and the Institute for Local Self Reliance loves to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, and how, how many more of these districts don't have good broadband or are they thinking about coming to you or? Well, at this point, we're, we have about 40 projects. So I sat down with the FCC map and looked at every red dot in our county, according to the FCC. Um, and we have about 40 projects that uh, we would pull together to that could qualify for bead. Um, we're not a distressed or rural community, so we tend to not get very high on that level. Um, and we've done a lot, right? So we don't have these huge projects, but we have about $42 million worth of projects to serve those 40 different, uh, communities and it's about 3000 homes. So. Okay. So I'm curious, Drew, this isn't the first time you're hearing this. You're a, a big supporter of open access networks. Uh, what, what would you uh, like to either ask or comment on regarding Kitsap? So um, thanks. Thanks for inviting me to this uh, exciting program. Connect this. Normally I'm, the, I'm on the other side of the, the mic and have, have panelists. But Angela, great to have you on here and to be with you at the uh, Broadband Communities event and yeah. So exciting about the new executive director of um, the American Association of Public Broadband. Uh, yeah. Are you still you still chair of, of AAPB? I am still on? chair of AAPB until I'm voted out. So, yep. so, <laughs> so let me just uh, uh, ask ask about the the question is. Um, you said you're looking at at, at bead. What, what's the kind of just give give the the the, the what's the customer numbers that Kitsap has and and like. Your your last mile or middle mile in terms of the 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 offerings that that Kitsap does. Okay, so we um, we have over seven hundred miles within our county of fiber, um, and we are serving seventeen hundred homes. Now that's not the number of homes passed; that's just the number we're serving. Um, it's over double the number passed. Um, some of those are in uh, served areas. We allow people, if they're willing to pay for us to bring it out, we, we support that and we will allow them to do an LUD as well. It just will not use uh, kids have PUD funds to do so. I, I guess what I'm getting at is most or many of the municipal, uh, well, we see a lot of open access last mile too. Yeah. But uh, middle mile in the middle mile, uh, and we'll talk later about the the B uh -huh. uh, the NTIA's middle mile awards. Uh, open access is a little bit more uh, proven path or or well worn path, right? And I just want to just make sure I'm understanding, Kitsap, you're 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 all last mile, or do you also do middle mile, kind of connecting 
facilities, uh, anchor institutions and the like. Where, where, where's the kind of the bread and butter for KITSAP PUD versus other yeah. more traditional? Muni, muni, our, muni, our, uh, uh, yeah, our bread and butter is our uh, our business customers. So our anchor institutions are the Navy. We work closely with the Navy. Um, we do provide service to uh, different carriers within uh, Kitsap County, whether that's the cable provider, the telephone provider, or cellular provider. So we provide that backhaul. Um, we do the PSAPs. We connect all our PSAPs. Um, and so that's really the bread and butter of our network. The yeah. residential is uh, covering costs, um, but not going above and beyond. So maintenance and, and preparing for the future and things like that, that's really covered from uh, our, that thing. So now I'll talk a little bit about uh, open access. So we're 100% open access and we're committed to that. Um, we don't want to be a monopoly. I think the challenges we've had in our in our um, in our community, and I think that can stand across the nation, is because there's monopolies and there's not that competition and that challenge uh, associated with it. And I think that's one of the biggest things in how B changed, right? And how it started to say we're going to support this competition happening. Um, and we're going to, it's, it's a capitalist, uh, situation, but without competition, it's just extortion. Um, and, and that's the, that's, I think the biggest challenge. So yes, we're wholesale. We have 13 service providers on our business network and six on our residential. So, so Angela, what would be the things that would make, um, uh, Municipal wireless, municipal broadband, not not wireless, but fiber mm -hmm. for the most part. But what would what would make it really take off in the public utility districts in Washington? Right? I mean, like you know, just more efforts. Uh, do, do you think there's a, a party that's missing? Could could some? What about like the ISPs? Like could could <laughs> there be more ISPs that would get some marketing heft and muscle? I'm just like thinking thinking like out of the box if we want to change to be a country that has much more open, much more competition <coughs> by virtue of more open access networks, what what do you think would, would be most helpful in getting that in, in the, the areas in Washington State in particular, Angela? Besides money. Yeah. Besides <laughs> I was going to say $100 billion, I, like President yeah. Biden suggested. <laughs> so I think, Drew, I really think that as far as what we hear, um, we hear everyone wants it. Everyone wants to have this high capacity network that is um so we have a service level agreement with our service providers that they have to provide 75 percent of what they're advertising at any one time they can't have data caps they have to maintain a net neutral network people want that community network they want that infrastructure at their house um and we hear it but they also want it for free so um there is that balance there uh, yeah. So really, it would take money for us to do it. You have some PUDs in the state of Washington who have built out to 90% of them, right? They've, yeah. just, they've just blanketed their, their uh, community and, and people have great service and they love it. 
Yeah, I was just talking with uh, Jim Ballard yesterday. We were going over yeah. some of the, the history of this. And uh, it's also worth noting that, that, you know, Grant County, for instance, and uh, Chelan, who were pioneers in this and have been very aggressive, yeah. um, they had a, they had a money tree, uh, which was a wholesale power sales to the state of California, <laughs> to businesses in California. And uh, that did help make it happen in ways that uh, we would not see it repeated elsewhere. <laughs> But they, they also they have it helps they when you have these, the Grand Coley Dam in your county. Exactly, it's when yes. you're when you're printing money, it helps a lot. There is um, in in what they've done though, they polled their community and they said, "Where do you want us to spend this extra money? Um, we have this, we have this coming in. We funded our emergency fund. We funded our emergency emergency fund." Um, yeah, they're extremely rural. They put a lot into water systems, so they had they different things they were putting it in. And the well, two let's, things let's, that the yeah. community wanted: parks and broadband. Well, and let's talk about you know when you have money. This is this was really interesting. Grand County said, "Look, we're going to do this final giant expansion." So they built the richest neighborhood and the poorest neighborhood, the second richest neighborhood, the second poorest neighborhood. They go, "Look." We we don't want to pick winners and losers here. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take care of both ends. And and sorry for you if you're in the dead middle. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know but they've built most of it. I mean they've really been very aggressive about a year after year. And so they they cover. I it would easily ninety percent of households. I think it's higher. Um, so yeah, that's a really I mean that's a big open access network. It's also a giant county. Yeah, I mean, it takes you half a day to drive across it. It's big. Yeah, well, I, I want to say like uh, three. It was, it's thousands of square miles. I can't remember yeah, how many, giant. but it's yeah. yeah. It's giant. yeah. That's the thing is that like it was like I think there was like 120,000 people, but like none of them live near each other. <laughs> There's even some of the very smaller PUDs that have built you know half of their households. It's just it's a it's very interesting. I mean. It, it literally goes PUD by PUD, and some have done almost nothing. It's just, you know, where people found the money, they did it. So, and I'm as Angela, we just saw each other at the Washington Public Utility District <laughs> Association meeting in, in yeah. Spokane, and it was great seeing the <laughs> range of uh, of options. Uh, seeing, you know, even including like the the area around Spokane, which is using uh, New Market's tax credits, I guess, um, and an innovative plan. There's just a lot of cool stuff happening across Washington, in in part because of an effort you were deeply involved in, which was getting rid of the state preemptions in 2021 and freeing up the ability for more investment to flow. Wait, let's talk about the most interesting thing going on in Washington. There's a bill in the legislature that says <laughs> <laughs> that anyone who takes B grants must be open access. And of course, you can imagine that big telcos and, and the cable companies are flipping out. Yeah. They they do not they don't like it. Um, I also thought maybe we should say that your wholesale rate needs to be thirty percent below your retail rate, yeah. so that you could really people could build a business on the network. Um, we have great support in our legislature right now. They mm -hmm. see the need. Um, they definitely see the need to do this. We just don't have the funds and when you have these B dollars that keep getting talked about, they don't want to allocate state funds because these B dollars are coming, right? We're gonna, we don't need the state funds. Um, and so that's that's kind of challenging too, because we all know that that's not gonna be any seen anytime soon, right? We're not think, gonna see any of those till like 2025. Do you think that legislation has any chance? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, no, it, 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 got, it got yeah. lobbied. I assume it got lobbied dead, right? Now, so here's there is open access requirements in, if they're funded by public funds, state funds, yeah. not B. 
and so mi be, the middle yeah. mile middle mile uh, awards that were just announced require uh, open access on on those those networks. So again, you know, more more common to have that. It would be a very interesting question to see if we can yeah. get open access. Yeah, talk to the, talk to folks in Maine about requirements of federal grants uh, actually being enforced uh, because uh, first flight like, doesn't seem to have uh, gotten Virginia. that part of the message. Yeah, West Virginia. Well, come on, we've so. got we've got RDOC <laughs> and uh, CAF to set precedents, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to enforce what people said they were going to do. I would trade a lot of the paperwork on the front end for a little bit of enforcement on the back end. That's fair. I agree. <laughs> um, how else? How else, Drew? How else could we help? Um, what about the finance? Finance? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, could we finance um, customers doing this? Uh, I do believe that's our next step. To be honest, and looking at where we're at and saying. What is our next step? How do we do it? And how do we um, be fair to the 1,700 customers that we didn't finance doing this, right? And, and so really working through that right now to see what our next steps are and how we can, um, how we can do that and how we can support not having liens, right? Because a lien means you own a home. What happens if you're a renter and you want it and the homeowner isn't? isn't willing to do that so there's there's a lot of different things that we are looking at that um right now ezra Angela, has a wonderful headshot <coughs> sorry hold on you... a second. ezra who has a wonderful headshot wanted to ask about the uh you made a you said about the the retail or the wholesale rate being 30 percent under the retail rate can you just unpack that a little bit yeah, so so we, I looked around. I worked with some other people within Washington State, and I looked around at different um, entities' retail and wholesale rates. And you are consistently about thirty percent. So if you said, "All right, if we require you to have a wholesale market that is thirty percent below your retail rate, that will be considered a fair um, a fair market value," and actually putting that number to it. Now that didn't happen. They ended up adopting the language from B, from the NTIA and putting that into, um, into actually our capital appropriations. Uh, but, but I do think if we don't put some numbers on it and really hold people to it, what we're going to do is we're going to get people saying, okay, the wholesale rate is $54 and the retail rate is 59. Right. And good luck. Right, yes. which would stifle yeah. competition and and not well, at all result. Would have, in it would have zero open access. If exactly. Right. So, yes. Drew, you were following up. I was just trying to get like how how what percent are you like what what's the the market share and and how how could that get higher in addition to all the things we've been talking yeah. about investment. So we're actually we're actually a pretty big county. We have um, over a hundred thousand residences, and so we are one. Less one percent, less than one percent, point one percent. We have a pretty big built out by Comcast just down in Lumen. Um, our next steps is on the sustainability side, right? As our costs continue to grow, uh, how do we how do we continue to grow the market, or and and who we're serving to keep this business sustainable? And well, so you that said is you, what we're you, said you have 3,000 more unserved yet left. Is we have 3,000. According to the FCC, we have 3,000. If you take out fixed wireless 
um, licensed fixed wireless, we have 5,800. Okay. Yeah. Which of course I do. But. So we've 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 kind well, of, if you if you want your county to be hundred percent fiber, you just have to yeah. get it to everybody. Yeah, exactly. So. We've uh, we've kind of eased into this a little bit, but I wanted to jump into uh, the people want more capacity. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a couple of things here that um, I think were a little bit interesting, but it, it started with a pots and pans posts from you, Doug. Uh, talking about the um, the percentage of homes that are subscribed to 200 megabits per second or faster. Yeah. Uh, what's going on there? According to Open Vault, we're up to 80 percent over 80 percent of households now subscribe to 200 megabits or faster. That's not hard to believe because first off, the cable companies have all up their games so that their minimum product is either two or three, and the cable and just Charter and, and Comcast alone have 55 percent of the whole market. I mean. The, what they do drives the whole country, right? You've got all the fiber providers and so, but, but the other, the real phenomenon we're seeing, because even if you go look at those providers within their company, people are, are voluntarily upgrading to faster broadband all over the place. So it's, it's not the growth of 100 to 200 that's the news. In fact, some of those low amounts haven't been changing that much. There's people subscribing to 500 and gigabit speeds and those are not being driven by the ISVs. Those are being driven by people calling in and ordering it. People want faster speeds. You know, there's there's so many ISPs ago. Nobody needs more than 25 megabits. You know what? People are buying it, and that's all that matters. People, just, the market, yeah. the market tells us the truth. You know, so and the fact is, people are the amount of. I mean, we're up to 20 percent of all households are now subscribed to gigabit. No, so I, I was talking about John Chambers, who's been building these networks in rural areas, often to people yeah. where there's not good service. Yeah. And uh, he reported that in aggregate, you know, across a lot of different footprints, across a lot of the parts of the country, west, southeast, northeast, uh, they have three tiers typically on the projects he's working on, 100 megabits, a gigabit, and two gigabits. The most common package is two gigabits, yeah. although uh, most people, uh, it's kind of split. It's kind of like roughly a third, roughly a third, roughly a third, but the largest package is the, uh, the two gigabits, which he's pricing even, at 100 bucks a month. Even if it's roughly a third, a third of the people are going, I'm paying extra for that. Package. Well, yeah, so more than half of his people are, are getting yeah. a gigabit or higher. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and then the question is generally, I hear, whenever I hear people be like, oh, people don't want, people don't need faster speeds. That's often from ISPs that are like charging more than a hundred dollars a month for those higher speeds. Or yeah. it's, or I can tell you what, if you saw my end basket in my email, <laughs> it's from Wisps and they're going to do it again. If I say it on the oh, show. Oh no, they will. Totally. They're, I mean, they're going to go, yeah. but I got, I have lots of people buying 25 megabits. My answer to that is that's because you're not offering them. 500 megabits. Really buy, yeah. you know? No, if you look at the average speed of my car, the question is, how do we measure it? Do we include all the time when it's parked? <laughs> or do we <laughs> talk about when it's in motion? Like, because I just, I'm tired of a lot of the games that we hear from people. And, you know, some of the people that I like are totally opposed to me on this. But I just, no, when, I look at, when I'm downloading no, something, <laughs> no, I, I'm a professional. You're a, you're a yay-sayer yay today. I'm show. a yay-sayer, and there's nobody who's <laughs> against you. <laughs> the, but my point is just that, like, when I'm downloading something and I'm waiting for it, something's gone wrong. 
Like there's just in, 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 yeah. with modern technology, the network, unless I'm doing, unless I'm like dropping a, you know, a 4k video on someone, I, I'll wait. I understand that. But like, um, I just, there is no argument that, that in a world with so much rich content that 25 megabits will handle it. You, you, you're going to take so long to just download the patch for your Xbox and whatnot and boohoo. But like, you know what? It's real. Like Xbox drives more money than the N, than the MLB, the, the NBA and all of the sports leagues. So Ah, oh, okay. That's my that's my medium rant for Travis yeah. watching that, later. That was not a rant. I'm sorry. We got the rest of the show to do better. So. Okay. So <laughs> I haven't given either Angela or Drew a chance to respond to that. Well, I, well I'll you, just comment on the right. on the 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 thing that came up, the comment that came up. It's true. I mean, you've got people and what they're using. It costs the cable companies the same to put a hundred mega in as it does a gig, and so yeah. The, the cost per meg drops as you get into these higher. So people are uh, automatically doing that. Um, I will say on our network, we were pretty much running 40, 60, 60% were buying a hundred meg, 40% were buying a gig. I just went and looked back at the past year. It went to 50, 50. And um, now we're at two thirds and everything in the queue today is all a gig. And right. so that's the big shift I'm talking about. Should we even yes. offer 100 megs? Does it make sense for us to even offer that? Um, it's That's another thing we're looking at as we look at how we're supporting people and getting access is what is our next step in, in providing that service? And Drew, just wait one second. So I also say for like, in case in case someone's watching who's not technical, it's worth noting that Angela, you are giving everyone technology that can deliver a gig. You're just yeah. throttling it down. And so we it are. actually takes yeah. more of an effort on your part to do hundred megabits with the technology that you're using. It does. So we, we put, we put a gig into every home because we know we don't want to have to go back and do it again in five years when people need that or, or want to upgrade. Um, I have a gig at my house and I have to agree with Chris. If anything slows down, I'm automatically looking, all right, what's going on? Um, something's got to be wrong. And, uh, but yeah. And I bet great. she calls into the PUD and they go, wait I a minute. do not. They go, I wait actually, a minute, that's there's you. There's something about when you're the general manager, you kind of have to hold steady and not full range. Uh, my my kids love it though. They think I I control the internet, and so if it doesn't work, <laughs> they're, they're on yeah. Drew, what was your response? So let me have two reactions to your post here, Doug. First is about market realities versus political realities, and the second is a more of a question for you about bits versus bytes. Okay, so so let's take the market realities and political realities first. I mean, thanks for this post. I think it's it's great. And, and to kind of have some real numbers that people are choosing higher speeds when they have that choice. And look, I mean, I couldn't have this tagline, better broadband, better lives, and not want higher capacity speeds. It's just here in Washington, we spend so much of our time arguing, is 100 by 25 too much? And that's absurd, of course, right? And I love your line that that, you know, uh, the day of talking about 100 megabits per second being an acceptable broadband speed is now behind us. Well, that's good to know, of course, because we are still fighting for 100 by 25, right? And and I think, you know, the kind of reaction that we're, we're seeing, and this makes sense to me, is that, you know, as we you push 100 by 25 or, or really 100 by 100 and, and our, you know, reconnects, our, our rural utility services reconnect is pushing 100 by 100. 
which is a nice change to see, you know, USDA pushing for a higher speed than than perhaps others. That, you know, that's that's getting us to the technology we need, i.e. fiber, so that we have it. So so it's like we're, we're, we're definitely kind of fighting the political versus the market uh, game. But but it's great to see these numbers. Now, the second point slash question is about bits versus bytes. And obviously, we, when we talk speeds, we're talking about bits, megabits, gigabits, etc., that are transmitted over the course of the network. And then when we're talking bytes, you know, eight bits, we're talking about the actual amount of capacity that people use, right? And and normally we we associate that with wireless networks because you know we've been throttled for so long on wireless yeah. networks. Throttling on wired networks is not really a thing, although we keep hearing about it. We keep hearing it's going to be a thing. It's not really a thing. But I want to ask you, like this, the headline here and your in your 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 post. Doug is about gigabytes, 560 gigabytes of broadband usage per month, right? So how do you kind of relate these? Like how does having higher speeds on the throughput and the gigabits relate to the amount of bytes that people are ending up using after a month? And Doug, wait one second. I just want to note, again, for people who might be less technically sophisticated, we're talking about bits. It's usually speeds, things in motion that are moving from point A to point B. Bytes is the cumulative usage, the amount of files that have been transferred over that time period. So that's kind of the question. And it's, a, it's, the, it's the million dollar question, Drew, because there's no direct link. You can't just go A equals B. But what we have seen... On, on the byte side, we've seen since pre-pandemic that households are now using twice as much broadband per month. They're using twice as many bytes per month. I mean, it's it's more than doubled, and that's not very many years. And on the speeds, we've seen again, we've you know, 80% of the homes now have at least 200 megabits. The speed, they're both going up at really tremendous rates, and I believe that the bits are going up faster right now. People are upgrading much faster than they're just using more. To some extent, one leads to the other because he, I totally disagree that there's no throttling. There's definitely throttling on some of the other technologies. Yeah. I mean, cable companies still have their terrible upload speeds. And, and as soon as you unleash that, I think people do use more automatically. Uh, they feel comfortable to use more services. I mean, there's a lot of households I know who still say, get off the internet now, I have to do something. That's throttling yourself because the technology is throttling you, right? So I think that once you have the fiber, you no longer ration anything, except if you're Chris and you have a data cap. You know, If you have a data cap, you still end up rationing yourself. You data caps are another rationing tool. But, but uh, so, so you know, the fact that we're getting faster speeds lets people feel freer to use more capacity. And, and and but one doesn't lead to the other. The capacity is mostly growing because we use more things on the internet. I mean, I, I hardly do anything anymore that's not cloud-based. I mean, almost any software you use, any app you use, they're all yeah. in the cloud. And all of a sudden, we're passing things back and forth. People do not realize how much upload the national. No, upload, I, the national uploads now 39 gigabytes per household. But that includes the half of the country who doesn't use the cloud. So for everybody else, it's 70, 80 megabytes a month that's a lot of uploading 
So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm realize I'm not the normal person, although I think I'm generally well, no, a few you, years in the future. Of, you are not a normal person. This will I'm be sorry. more this common in the future. I'm not a, I'm not a yay-sayer. <laughs> <laughs> but last year, Rye, Rye convinced me that I should build my own PC because I do so much uh, Photoshop um, Express, um, not, not Express, Photoshop Lightroom, where I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm processing hundreds of photos, I'm exporting them, I'm doing this and that. Yeah. And I do schedule my uploads to be in prime time because as long as I have a data cap, damn it, I'm going to be I'm using that in prime time. So I do it in the evenings uh, when everyone else is trying to use it. Uh, but <laughs> I have a laptop that I travel with. And now I also have a, a little Windows tablet device that I also travel with. So everything's in Dropbox. And uh, I'm just constantly and everything's like in the cloud. And so I'm constantly like trying to open up a file. And the question is, am I waiting five seconds, which is annoying? 10 seconds, 15 seconds on a plane or, or a you know, or, yeah. you know, yeah, to open a file if it's a bad connection. And so it's not just the, the speed, but also the transactional latency at that point, which is uh, comes more and more important. But I think we're going to see more and more people doing this as they're switching between different devices based on where they are and they want everything to be synced up. Yeah. yeah. And I think, Doug, it's actually the one billion dollar question, not the million dollar question. Um, and and it is. You know, in 2015, when we changed the definition of broadband to 25.3, the FCC was saying a family of four needs 28 NIC. So already they were saying, we're going to define it like this, but it's not enough for, for you to operate. And then that was pre-COVID. So now you have everybody home. You're doing everything online. My kids still have now a computer. They do things online every day. Um, you need more. So I think we're going to get to the point where it's more like an electric service, right? You don't call up and say, I would like a freezer in my basement and a refrigerator. I'm going to have a washer. So how much electricity do I need? Right. You, do not right? you don't do that. And you so open up it's, the pipe. Yep. exactly. Let's nope. open it up. I do want to comment on something that Drew said. Drew, you kept saying 125, but it's actually 120. And the reason for that is because famously technology neutral DC kept it at 20, not 25, because they wanted to make it friendly on Doxis. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, let's be very clear about this. Like 120 is not based on well, any remember, like, rigorous The original science. language was 100, 100. I mean, they, that's what yeah, they And they came yeah. down to 120 right. to make it nice on the cable yeah. companies. Like, no, no. My, my, my brain's been swirling in uh, in uh, match ratios. And so I've tried <laughs> 20% or 25% of 100. But, but thanks for that correction. And and it is it is, of course, unfortunate that we went from 100, 100 to 100 by 20. But yeah. uh, but again, it, it, it's at least better than 25, three. Right? No, let's be clear, though, because Matt Larson is sitting there somewhere punching the air mad at me uh, because he thinks it's foolish. And when he was on, Doug, you agreed with him and said we don't need symmetry. So do you want to defend that point for a second and say we don't need uh, to have the high upload speeds? We do not need gigabit uploads. Hardly anybody uses it. I, I'm, it doesn't mean that we want 20, but there's <laughs> okay. almost there's such a small percentage of users who could actually fill up an up a hundred a gigabit upload. Quite honestly, they have to be running a business server at their house. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing you can do on your computer that can upload that fast. Yeah, unless. You, it, even if you have a house full of six gamers, you don't use a gigabit. Of right, you could. Like, if you're uploading a big video, well, but that's going to be pretty rare. Yeah, and even there, it's a few seconds. So, I don't think we need. I don't think we need the symmetry, but I'm still thinking we need way faster than twenty. I'm not saying but, the twenty well, is I've, all good. I've so. been an advocate. I'm going to pull this idea out for your audience here. 
we, we should always talk about 100 by 100 or 100 by 20 or 1,000 yeah. by, and by by, I mean a multiplication rather than a division. We shouldn't say 100 divided by 25 or 100 over 25 because that's implying, well, one number is more important than the other. If we multiply the two numbers together, that's that'll give you a better score, right? Yeah. And, 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 and I think a truer representation of what you want because – I mean, I, Doug, I think you made some great points there that we may not need 1,000, i.e. a gigabit up. But if you multiply the, 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 the download by the upload, we'll at least get a better representation than if we sort of hide that, that other number as a denominator, right? Now, yeah. when, when I said that, I don't have a – if every fiber provider makes it symmetrical, go for it. You got that. It's sitting there, right? It's the pipe. Yeah. There's I'm nothing to settle wrong for with giving that, but – yeah, well, you're probably willing to settle by for 100 by 500. You'd probably be just as happy. But, but no, no, I think. Yes. But I, I want to say, like, I do think there has been a little bit of an overlance in the idea of symmetry. I feel like I couldn't care less if it's 500 by 300. Like the question is, at a yes. given time, is it meeting yeah. the needs? And I do enough? think yeah. my 40 megabit upload is constraining me, and it is frustrating at times. And I would very much like to um, increase that. And I look forward to increasing that as soon as. The and uh, a giant percent of the people in the here. country don't have 40, you know, so yeah. you're yeah. ahead of them. Well, and I pay a pretty penny to Comcast for it, so. Uh, that's right. No, and, right. and we're going to we're gonna fund them to get to 20, maybe, right? <laughs> okay. Um, the FCC chair, Jessica Rosenworcel, she is convening a uh, listening session, a... Um, um, I like that one. <laughs> um, she is uh, collecting more data on data caps, which... Uh, I just I feel like there's no justification of this. We've talked about this before, so we don't have to go over it in depth. But, um, you know, I feel like this is something where we might actually see some action as opposed to the uh, digital discrimination proceeding where I suspect, um, you know, there won't be a lot of of uh, results out of it. But I, I have hope that the data cap proceeding might go somewhere and we might actually see some of this reined in. Um, you know, I get a, I get a note from Comcast most months at this point. You're going to so, kill me because I can't be a yay-sayer now. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't right. have the, they don't have the authority to, to enforce data caps. They gave it Okay, away. so let's, let's come back to that. Let's see what Drew had to say. Yes. Let's come back to yes. authority. So your notes from Comcast, I want to I hear about them. So, so I, again, I haven't been on Comcast for several years now. I'm on a symmetrical fiber broadband, fortunately, for the first time when moved back to Washington. And so I, I want to hear, like, what does it say to you? What is it kind of like? It warns me when I hit 75%, 90%. And then when I go over it, it tells me how much um, it tells me I've gone over it. And then I haven't, I don't think I've gone over it. Like, I don't think I've exceeded the second cap where you have to start paying more. Um, but I've what had to do the cap? one extra payment. It's 1.2 terabytes per month. Okay. So, you know, obviously I stand corrected on this, Doug, uh, about there aren't data caps in Wired and you've, you know, given oh, it. Oh, there's lots of data caps. caps. No, you said there wasn't throttling in Wired. But anyway, we can move on to whatever your point well, you're about no, to but make. Let's, let's talk about data caps versus throttling, okay? And, and like, is data caps, like, data caps are not presumably a violation of net neutrality principles. Again, they don't exist no. now in law. No, but, they're just but, evidence of a broken market. Well, right. But so, like, what's good or bad about uh what's bad or bad bad or worse about data caps versus or throttling versus data caps let's just talk about that doug i'd love well, your thoughts but don't does the throttling happen after the data caps i mean that's what's happening right no. you get your data caps well, and then you not for comcast not for wired 
that that happens in satellite. It happens in some of the wireless yeah. stuff, but not in my wallet gets throttled. It just yeah. they just keep charging you more money. Is all that happens. And so and, there's so for a wired connection, there's no real difference between the two. If you have lots of money and you don't care, you just use what you want. Now it. you will throttle yourself if you don't want to pay the extra money. Yeah. So it does have an impact on you. You become you start rationing. Uh, but you know, let's go back to a Verizon hotspot that's used out in the rural areas. You only get a you get like 40 gigabytes. And after that, you start paying $5 for like five or 10 extra. I mean, during the pandemic, I saw families paying 500 to $1,000 a month who are massively restricting themselves to stay to that number. I mean, it's just ridiculous though. So, you know, the throttling is the bad one, Drew. They literally just come along and turn you down to one megabyte, one megabit per oh, second. It doesn't it, work anymore. It, it's happened to me. It's, it's just, it's the most- It just stops working. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't even go to the web. It just stops. Yeah. Yeah. I found, I mean, I got hit with one of the times I, I was trying to avoid exceeding it with Comcast. And then I literally went into my office to avoid uploading a large file from here related to work, um, a large video for a client, um, uh, for a contractor working with ILSR. And I had not correctly set Dropbox. And so I drove into work and I uploaded it and it started downloading. It right here. <laughs> <laughs> I blew the data cap anyway. <laughs> but like it gives you a, like that's one of the ways in which I think it may happen as more devices are just doing more things behind the scenes for yeah. convenience. Um, but the, the, the thing that I would just come back to is that Starlink had the correct data cap. If there wasn't going to be a data cap, it should be during periods of contention. I, 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 if I, if I upload a terabyte of data over the course of the month, entirely between one and 5 AM, it costs Jeez. Comcast precisely $0. Right. So there's no reason to be like including that in the data cap, but they do because it's not about it's not about it, any constraint. It's not about the network. It's not, it's not yeah. congestion. This is not reasonable network management by any stretch of the magic. Right now, and, yeah, and but Starlink said plus, Starlink plus said they don't, it, they don't drive their network based on Chris's house. They base it upon your whole neighborhood too. So yeah, that's ridiculous. And this takes us right to the comparison to electric and other utilities where you have to have your peak usage and you have to prepare for that and provide it. Yeah. And I mean, this, I also I use the analysis also then of uh, the gas station, which is I don't know how much gas is going into my tank. Uh, granted, if I have a sedan and it says 25 gallons, I'll have some questions, but they could be ripping me off if not for the state having Department of Weight and Measures that goes around and measures these things. Meanwhile, Comcast is the one telling me how much I'm using. But Phil Dampier did a great job over the years documenting all the time. People who had like not been home with our electricity turned off and their router turned yes. off had been, were like told this and that so comcast is like not being checked on this i don't yeah. think they're lying i don't think they're nefarious but yeah. i also don't think that they're getting it 100 accurate right so um nefarious and really, lying i don't know <laughs> we're gonna lose drew in 13 minutes so i want right. to i want to cover a couple other things one and ntia middle awards any middle mile awards anyone have any thoughts about that Sure. Oh. Uh, and oh no, Drew's gonna way, stick around. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around. Uh, but but I, I, let me chime in on the middle mile awards because I have I have uh, uh, focused on this uh, and and we actually was our it was our broadband breakfast live online uh, session yesterday and I'll drop that in the chat window for people. But here, let me just give the quick summary of the middle mile awards and maybe tee up a couple questions that'd be useful for us to talk about. There were 35 awards that uh, were made uh, and 930 million uh, were uh, 
were, were basically uh, awarded. And, and, you know, you can see I mean, here, here's the headline. The headline for me is the fact that they got nearly 93%, I believe, uh, match for the hundred percent, if you do it that way, uh, that were, that were granted. So in other words, they, they basically, uh, awarded 930 million, but they were able to bring, uh, roughly 800, uh, or more million from other sources. Now, not all that's real cash. Some of it's, you know, attribution and, and in-kind amounts, but that's darn impressive that the NTIA is able to get that significant leverage from their funds. Now, what, what will that mean for bead? I mean, 25% is the required match, uh, but um, you'll get more and states can put a higher level. State broadband offices can put a higher match requirement. I don't know if anyone will do that. Let's pause uh, the there for one second. I just want to, sure. I want to note states are going to do that. They're going to take the higher match and that's why the area, the exurbs are going to get built out and the most rural areas are going to get missed in a number of places and tribes are going to get screwed. The people that need it the most yeah. will lose it as states try to tr stretch the dollars in some cases. And I'm deeply worried about that. I have some distressing, I have some distressing news to make that even uglier thing. This week, the state broadband offices were informed that the NTIA might strictly enforce having a final report one year after they, they get their preliminary report approved. And that meaning the final report would include the list of all the winners, meaning they have to give the grants out in a year, which is completely impossible. So 20%. Uh, that's, so let's, again, I'm just going to pause for a so second. So if here. they do that, it's going to make a, it into a one round auction that would be our DAF over again. So yeah. you're, you're concerned that next, next week, NTIA is going to tell us what the allocations are per state. And uh, then there's going to be six months in which states develop their one-year plan, their initial proposal. Yes. When yes. they get done wrangling with NTIA, probably sometime in the spring of next year, of 2024, they will get 20% of the money. Yes. And that kicks off a four-year window uh, in which they have to spend all of the money. And they won't get the rest of the money until a year after that date next year. But what you're saying is the 20% of money they will get in the spring of next year, they may have to spend immediately rather spend than doing it in multiple waves. No, they have to award all 100% of it by the end. They have to announce all the grant winners by the end of the one year is what they're being told now. And, and it's being driven by the White House proclamation that we need to spend this money a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> the White House has realized what we realized a long time ago, which is that there are fewer than 50,000 homes that will be built before people cast the next ballot. And they're yes. freaking out about it. Yes. So if they, if they, and now this is going to be a huge pushback on that, but if they really do that, it's going to be a one round grant and it's going to go to the people with the lowest matching and that's the incumbents. So. And then yeah, there will be 80% of the money left over. Sorry, Angela. That's all it's going to do. It's just going to go to the incumbents yeah. because they have the money to put forward. And, and like you said, Doug, it's going to be art off all over again. I mean, I'm starting to, if, if that rule goes in, then, then I think Travis is 95% was too low. <laughs> I right. feel like, I feel like bead is a promise of chocolate pudding and what we're getting is chocolate hummus. <laughs> no, I think we're, I think we're getting chocolate sawdust. <laughs> so that was a detour. I would kind of like. I would like chocolate hummus. That was a that was a detour from uh, Drew's points about the yes. middle mile program the and the matching mile. part. But I appreciate you indulging us, Drew. 
Oh well, no, of of course, uh, and it's it's it's. It, I mean, I, I'm I'm. It's great to be on this show. You know, obviously, we we, we talk a fair bit, uh, Chris and and Doug. I haven't t- talked recently, but just to to hear this perspective is great, right? Because may, maybe I'm coming at it from a too optimistic perspective that that <laughs> getting a higher match is is good. But you're kind of pointing the counter, and 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 we'll 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 d- dig more into that. The second the second big takeaway that I wanted to share out of the announcement is um, the, the real diversity of entities that received awards, right? About half are middle mile awards, about half are private companies, but the rest is sort of split among, um, uh, among uh, co-ops, uh, pure government entities, state of Kansas, state of, state of California, et cetera, uh, utilities. There were some utilities that received awards, co-ops, economic development units and a, a tribe also received an award. So, so I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of cooperation going into these. These are big, these are big awards. The, the smallest was 2.7 million. The largest was 88.89 uh, million. So very substantial projects uh, coming out of this. And um, again, I think it's just, it's exciting to see the details yesterday's uh, live online. We, we drilled into a couple of these projects. And um, last, last point, last tech, quick, quick point is that even though 1 billion is tiny compared to 42.5 billion in bead, uh, we'll be able to get more, I believe, as bead applicants include middle mile components as part of their bead applications because uh, that, is, that is permitted under the bead rule. So anyway, those are a couple of takeaway points from the the discussion and and, the and I think meeting. the private companies were almost all smaller private companies and we didn't see yeah. any of the words going to the larger companies in my quick scan I didn't think no I, I want to distinguish what you said about the matching because for middle mile grants the, the the higher the matching the better because obviously it worked but that just isn't going to work for last mile so it's very very different yeah. markets uh I mean you have to think that a lot of those routes were going to be built anyway and they went heck we'll take some grant money to make it easier so or else they build a larger network because of the grants. So, um, and and I know with several of those projects, the places they're building are really needed. I mean, it's bringing some broadband to some places that absolutely couldn't have it otherwise. So, I mean, it's there's some pretty good middle mile routes in there. So, yeah, I mean, we we probably need more than a billion dollars in California. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're well, spending more, but even above and beyond what they're doing, there's a California already spent three California, billion yeah. on middle mile. California themselves. Yeah, exactly. So. California's got a super. <laughs> Uh, project for they're, they're pulling it back a little bit. I think I'm not. I don't remember exactly well, they, where all they might have, are. I would think. I'm thinking we need 50 or 100 billion in the country just for a middle mile to get to the rural places. So this was a drop in the bucket. I mean, there's know, a lot of good projects who did not get funded here. So, I want yeah. John Chambers wasn't available today, or I was would have had him as a special guest for at least a few minutes because, you know, one of the things that he said to me, I, I don't think he'll mind sharing, is he's like. Where is this all going? Like he was talking about, he's building projects. You know, I think he's connected uh, well over a hundred thousand homes at this point. Um, he's he's building, I think, five thousand miles. No, uh, five thousand miles a year. I think. Or, no, he's building no. about a thousand miles. Hundred. Last time I talked to him, I think he's trying to build. A... Okay. <clears throat> Anyway, I'm, I'm mixing up the different numbers. He's building rapidly. And he's just yeah. like, he's never come across one of these middle mile projects. Like <laughs> whether it's B-Top or others, he's just like, where are they? And well, there were um, not very many B-Top. Wow. No, but at the same time, like, I feel like, you know, he makes a couple of good points in that 
um, and this is the question that we were wrestling with last time with Travis, and he was just like, there's no middle ground out there. But from John, he had the same reaction I did, which is sort of like, they figure it out. Like, they find an expensive place to lease it for a few years while they build a better one. You know, they build what they need. And that's what I think rural providers are doing. Like, I'm excited about good middle mile projects, but at the same time, the way to fund middle mile is, I think, after first mile. Uh, which may be counterintuitive, but once you have working last mile networks, you have business cases for middle mile networks. I don't. I disagree a little bit because just look in your state, uh, the BTOP program that went all the way up to the Canadian border, right through. Yeah, the Northeast uh, Service Cooperative. That one really opened up a bunch of counties to get brought. Yeah, would not have otherwise gotten it. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. We had multiple years in which, like yes. during the year, there was more than a twenty-four hour hour outage because of Quest yes. lines in Duluth getting cut. Uh, yes. You know, now CenturyLink, now Lumen now whatever else but like you know yeah so i agree with you that like some of those were really well needed but like you know when border patrol has no communications because yeah. like there's no redundancy there's a real problem well there were several btop grants that were very aptly named fiber to nowhere let's not forget that yeah. right but i mean i guess the, the problem i have is that then you have ones like the three ring binder in maine which lots of people will whisper to you is now a disaster because of the private Wait a minute. West Virginia gave their VTOP route to Frontier. They just gave yeah. it to them. Yeah, that, wisdom. That, it's no longer open access. Um, we have a VTOP one in Washington that we're still using. Well, and the, the one in Oregon, <laughs> the Clackamas route seems to have been really good. I know Sandy used that, and I think lots of other folks yeah. have used that. So there were good ones. You know, EagleNet in Colorado was a total dog uh, yeah. a disaster. Uh, so we had a, a range of uh, of results there. Yeah. Um, but there was a great one in, in Appalachia along the Virginia border. There's some, been some good ones, and there's some been dogs. Yeah. So. Now, we talked a little bit about this uh, in passing, but um, you know, this article from The Verge is worth just noting about just to quickly stress over. But you know, Biden did talk originally about $100 billion and like structural changes and this and that. And then um, you know, all the rest of us, I think, are used to this sort of a thing. But it's this article from The Verge is well worth reading um, and talking about just uh, um, the ways in which we accept the 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 playing field being totally tilted in favor of the big cable lobbyists and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, at this point we went from a hundred billion dollars to try to bring better internet access to everyone to $42.5 billion, mostly for probably incumbents uh, to um, build out only in rural areas where there is no competition, no changing of the market. And yet the Biden administration never really changed their rhetoric. And I think that they are going to be hoisted on their own petard on that. They're hoping that, one, it's way after elections, and two, that there will be enough people happy that they get broadband that it'll, that'll drown out the ones who don't. Most of those people are voting for Republicans. I don't know if you've looked at a map. I know. I know. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the most amazing thing about this, that the, the Democrats pushed a, a program well, that largely benefits Republicans. Yeah. So that's the way it, that, ought, that, the way it ought to be. It's the way it ought to be. Yeah, that's the country I do want to live in. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> two points on this. One, one is that yeah, I, I look, I, I do think it is sort of the unfortunate but inevitable result that B becomes more rural. And I would I would have definitely def desperately liked still I still have some hope that states will put pressure on like not really hundred by twenty five, right? Or twenty, hundred by twenty broadband to to get service, you know, over those 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 networks, those those weak <coughs> networks simply not really meeting that that standard, right? So, so that would that would maybe uh, help non-rural areas, exurban, suburban, 
rural areas, urban areas that do not have anything close to 100 by 20 uh, broadband. The second point I want to make is that, and, and, and this is something that we're, we've been focusing on at Broadband Breakfast because we've got this conference coming up next week called the Made in America Summit. Is that you nice have plug. To, well, thanks. Yeah, uh, I'll pop, pop it in the chat there. Broadbandbreakfast.com slash M-I-A-S for Made in America Summit. The, the thing you got to remember is that, look, broadband is 100 billion of 1.7 trillion in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And then there are two other very significant projects, uh, funding vehicles that the Biden administration's grappling with. One is the semiconductor uh, promotion through the Chips and Science Act, and the other is the green energy provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act, both passed in July and August of 2022. And so the, the federal government and the Biden administration <laughs> is really pushing on like three different fronts at the same time. And, and, and we can't ignore that there are connections that that getting better broadband also means enabling higher capacity and better uh, advanced energy. It also may rely upon getting more semiconductors in countries that are not, uh, you know, uh, potentially uh, adversarial to the United States. And so uh, think, think about that, too, because th this is a this is a key to what the Biden administration wants to be, which is, you know, the lunch, lunch pail Joe. Right. And and supporting infrastructure development and supporting better opportunities for blue collar workers and supporting rural areas. So I don't I don't think that it, we, we can be as cavalier as saying this is all going to go to a bunch of Trump supporters uh, because, you know, it's, it's part of making sure that America doesn't give up on very important values for its future infrastructure, uh, better energy and um, domestic manufacturing. I would just briefly say that Trump voters are Americans who get to vote. Like, I'm not trying to delegitimize them. I'm just pointing out a political irony. But I open it up for Angela and Doug as well. We don't touch, we don't touch anything, Chris. Opens up. So. <laughs> That's a rule here, Angela. That's a rule. Thank you. Yeah, let's Thank just you. sit here and make him talk more. No, I think I mean, <laughs> this is something that, Doug, we've talked about before. And, and I recently was talking with someone who was saying they would be interested in talking to rural voters to say, look, here's the thing. Your Internet access is going to cost another $20 a month or, you know, just picking a number. I don't know what the actual economics of it are. If most of it is made in America and it's going to take longer to build, is that a sacrifice you want to make? And, and my immediate response to that is this is a person who's shopping at Walmart. So probably not. That doesn't mean they're wrong, though, Doug. You and I have said that we're. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you one thing: that this whole thing, rural America is a lot poorer than people think it is, and and they're yeah. very price conscious. We do. I mean, I've done hundreds of whole countywide surveys, and and twenty dollars makes a real difference on whether they'll buy it. You can bring the fiber to their house, but if it's twenty bucks more than they think they should pay, they just won't buy it. And prices, they're very very price conscious, and that's the that's the real bad part about charter getting these grants to bring $92 broadband, which by the time it's built, it's going to be $115 broadband because they're bringing it to the wrong markets who don't want $115 broadband. So, and that has nothing to do with politics. That's simply the fact is the rural folks in general, uh, you know, aside from counties that are all dairy farmers or whatever, most of rural America is, very, is just not very wealthy. So. And I think the challenge we have on that is that now you have everything on the internet, right? Yeah. You're you're saying 
it's going to cost you this much now to just talk to your doctor or to apply right. for a job or to do anything. Yeah. But when you look when you look at just household incomes in rural areas, they are significantly yeah. lower than other places, and and it's just a matter of affordability. So, broadband is good. Go ahead. Well, the last point was ACP doesn't help if it's a ninety dollar broadband. It's still sixty dollars. It's still too yeah. high. So, yeah. yeah. Broadband is fortunately not a bi not a partisan issue. It is, it is, it is among the most bipartisan issues. And Absolutely. you see a lot of Republican support for broadband, just as you do Democratic support for broadband. Can and I ask you what you mean by that? Just in the sense of, um, you mean voters, people who vote for the party or people who are uh, serving the party in Washington, D.C.? Because I think I, I would say I would say it's at the local level. There's you won't find counties where the commissioner, local commissioners are not for broadband. They, they just aren't such places. Yeah, it's uh, it's local. It's also national. I mean, as to the voter, the voter question, look, I mean, it's it's clear that there are going to be differences in party by rural versus urban makeup. But but I think that uh, the, the good thing about the state of broadband and and, and uh, Gigi Stone said this during her uh, announcement as executive director of AAPB is that she wants to kind of work with all of those Republicans that have been so supportive of municipal broadband. And mm -hmm. there are many. It is not. It no, is not I, just I mean, let, let, let's be clear. Like, I mean, I think I could probably list all the ones that are of the 535 that are senators or in the House of Representatives. Like, um, you know, I mean, there's a few senators who have been willing to stick their neck out. There's people like Senator Moran who have not been willing to stick their head out, but are quietly supportive. Uh, but there's fewer than 10 in the in the Senate, I think, that are actually supporters. Even Chuck Grassley, I wouldn't consider him, even though his state has like 30 of them. Um, you know, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee is like, you know, doing the best she can to rip them down. Like, um, and so I, and, you know, I, I agree with you in that it is, um, it is not perfectly partisan, but, you know, there was like four votes among the Republican side for pro municipal broadband legislation the last time it came up in the house. Uh, so, it, you know, it is, there's a strong correlation between the parties. And the only reason that Democrats are united on this in part is because it's a free vote for them in many cases, because they know it's not going to pass, but a fair number of the people that are from major metros will turn oh. as soon as Comcast puts the screws to them. They also don't really care about the issue for their major metros. Yeah. So, so well, I, mean, and I think I think politicians support broadband. And I think the question then is becomes municipal or so I think broadband is the bipartisan issue. Yes. But when you start looking at municipal broadband or private carrier broadband, that's where you get that's a different question. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where I just I hate the way that we're in a in a tribal area. And I salute you, Drew, in that I think you're trying to like say. This is not something that's inherently partisan. And I agree with you. Like if you and I walked around in any number of areas, whether they are Republicans who vote for Trump or don't vote for Trump to, to call out Juan, who notes that not all those things are not synonymous. But like, I think we would find that like, Drew, you and I have very strong agreements as like policy experts on this with what, what most people think. And yet they don't have a sense, I think, of whether their elected folks are against them. And I just say that because here in Minnesota, the Republican Party continually like, has people who are the that make the people that make the decision for the Republicans in St. Paul talk about how government has no role in this. We should have satellite and market solutions that solve it. And 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 like that's not totally out of line with the Republican base, but like they do it. And and so I don't know how to reconcile that. But if you go to the counties, the county commissioners are all pro broadband. Because yeah. they're closer to the people. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
because when they go to the gas station, they hear it literally every day. And they go, when are you guys getting better broadband? Every day they hear that. Most counties tell me that if they don't have good broadband, it's their number one issue. And only a few don't, and the ones who don't, it's their second most important issue. So, I mean, it's right up there. So, uh, so Ezra asked about uh, prohibiting municipal broadband. There are 17 states that restrict it. Only a few would be outright prohibitions, like Nebraska um, and North Carolina, effectively, Louisiana. Um, a lot of the states have barriers that can be overcome. Uh, unnecessarily barriers, barriers, but barriers nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, you well, know, so, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Some of them are, there's, it's a scale from zero to a hundred. There's a lot, the bottom half of those are pretty hard to get it done. And so at least half of those are really hard. Yeah. So, yeah. The last thing I think I'll just make a point, which again, I think is where you're leading drew is I think if you sit down with a lot of those senators, Republicans who are kind of spouting the line from the cable and telephone companies and had a conversation with them, I think that they would be very interested in your perspective, Drew, focused on open access, markets, competition. But I think that they are um, easy, easy prey for lobbyists that talk about socialism and whatnot and scare them off. And that's one of the reasons that there's such a block, I think. Well, let me go ahead and, and, and make a final point or case for this argument. And, and I appreciate you bringing open access back into the discussion there, Chris. I think that, you know, and, and in some ways, Utopia in, in Utah Utah Telecommunications Open Infrastructure Agency sort of backed into this. It maybe wasn't a choice, but because their legislature came along as soon as they were planning this 20 years ago and said no municipal retail internet. And so they had to become wholesale network. They had to do it as an open access way. And I think, you know, I mean, and we talk a lot about this, Chris, right? I mean, you can think about open access in, in as, as three layers, right? There, you can have two layers as well, but, you know, the owner of the asset, the operator of the network, and the hopefully competing multiple internet service providers offering retail services on that. And really, there's, there is a, in my mind, there is an increasing case for cities, municipalities, the local community being the owner of that that infrastructure right and so you can you can do that without having any municipal involvement in either the network operations or the isp component right and so i think that that is that is a perspective as soon as you get past the nonsense and the you know the the uh the, the incumbent uh clearly wrong fear uncertainty and doubt Exactly. Once you get past the flood, you, you can see that there's there's a lot of reasons for a local role in the ownership of the of the infrastructure. And then we can still have a big, good conversation about who's going to operate, who's going to sell services on that network. But I want to point out West Des Moines because they're going to get media com on their network. They just gave in. They go interesting. We got to get in. I think that's a it's a bonus, not a not a well, what well, is well, except that nationwide they would tell you they're against that idea but they but they couldn't pass up that opportunity so right so west des moines wealthy suburb of des moines uh working with google fiber google fiber paying a significant portion but nowhere near the full cost of a conduit system uh on the condition that it goes to everyone and is open to everyone uh, to multiple providers on similar terms on the same terms in fact which is a uh, one in which you can't cherry pick, you kind of have to lease the whole system and have a plan for going to just about every home. Uh, West Des Moines has attracted Mediacom to use that as well. Uh, so uh, fairly unprecedented. I mean, it, um, makes, it makes Drew's point though, I think. 
Jesus. Right. But I also, I mean, so CenturyLink went to uh, Springfield, Missouri, and we haven't seen it gone to an, go to another place. So I will be curious if that model is replicable or if this is them testing the water and, and seeing well, what they think. It's not bright speed. But I do, I do want to, um, I want to remember what I was going to say about that, which was you, Drew, I think made a, a point that I agree with. But I think this is where the challenge is. Local governments may want to get involved with this, but I think they are afraid that their voters don't support them putting taxpayer dollars into it. Because when you go from a retail environment, which is hard enough to make it work, and then you go to open access where you're now splitting the revenues, it becomes even harder for a financial case to work. So, Angela, I'm curious if, if you have a sense that my sense is I think a fair number of local governments actually would be shocked at how little cost it is relative to other things that they do. You know, you started the public utility district is a water plant. If you total yeah. up all your fiber assets and compare them to your water assets, what is it? Five, 10%, maybe 15%. Like water is expensive. Yeah. Water is yeah. super expensive. Cities do it all the time. But like, you know, fiber is comparatively cheap. It costs more than a million dollars a mile to build a bike trail in Minnesota. Uh, that's what they budget for more than a million dollars a mile is my understanding. And, uh, and it, it, you know, it, only in California does it cost $500,000 a mile to build fiber. Fiber is the cheapest infrastructure. People don't realize how cheap it is. And I think as that dam breaks, then Drew, we might see your model more commonly, but I want Angela's reaction to that. No, I think, I think you're right on. And I also think that we're, we're good at infrastructure, right? We're good at pipes in the ground. And so let's, push this money towards entities that are good at that, whether that's the co-op um, or the city or the county or another public entity. The other thing is it's our money, right? We're paying for this and it should go to the back to the public entities. There should be some con uh, control that we have as citizens over how this is used. And um, I really support that. And I support, I mean, we chose to operate our network, but we don't choose to do retail service because we feel we have that skill set in our service providers. They're bringing what their expertise is. They're doing all the routing. They're doing all the customer service. And we make it so that they can operate a business that way. Yeah. I think we're cruising toward the end here. Any final comments? That's a, a good place to wrap. I just wanted to say, I thought Angela should have put the glasses on a few more times. <laughs> and, and I'll put one more, one more thing that if your name is on a stadium, you don't get any bead money. That's, that's the one rule that we want in bead. I would love that for bank bailouts for anything. If, if you, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my parting shot, we haven't talked super much about this, but next week with the announcements by the NTIA of the uh, uh, levels at which each state will receive bead funds, obviously that kicks off a process we have talked about. I think I just encourage people to say, look, this is the, the start rather than the end, right? And state broadband officials are really the key here to to work with them to continue to make i mean like in some ways the fcc's i mean again with with apologies they they have not done the job they needed to on mapping on evaluation and so we're going to have to kind of move that discussion to the state level and and i think again let's let's keep keep up 
the, the point, keep up the fight. Uh, we need higher capacity broadband. We need higher upload speeds. We need no data caps, bad, you know, uh, whatever, the, the, the throttling, very, very bad. And, and what we really need is we need a multiplicity of types of entities that are doing creative things. I appreciate the West Des Moines point. It's exciting to hear about, you know, Mediacom saying, hey, we'll, we'll go on this network. That is, that is a huge breakthrough. And, and I, I expect we'll see a lot more in the coming years. As, as infrastructure and the opportunity of infrastructure change, hopefully for the better through beads. Yeah, a bunch of us said that when Huntsville's model came out. Uh, so <laughs> glad I wasn't holding my breath. But uh, Drew, I just want to ask, what show do you think you're on? We're, we don't say anything negative about the FCC here. We're, we're entirely positive about the FCC. Never would we doubt their competence or ability to, to do such a thing like mapping or something like that. Baba yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i uh, uh travis i hope you enjoyed it <laughs> kim i i think you're probably not watching it <laughs> but travis will go back and watch it and um i want to thank uh, drew and angela thank you for for coming in we look forward to pulling you back in on future episodes now that you've made it through the initiation and uh doug uh thank you for not bailing on me this week Oh, that would have been interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, actually, you know, Kim right now is probably not in first class flying. So um, that, for those who are back right there. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who watch on LinkedIn, I don't know if Bob was out there with her, but there might be a video circulating already of her walking back into steerage. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I really enjoy this. Uh, let's see. Two weeks from now is July 4th weekend. So uh, I don't know. Well, I'll ask around and see if we should do a show July 4th or if we should just take the week off and come back the week after that. Uh, but next week I'll be in Albuquerque. Well, not Albuquerque. I'll actually be uh, down in Anthony and Las Cruces uh, the area doing some uh, work. And then up in Tosuke, uh, one of the Pueblos, we're doing a two broadband day, day long boot camps for people that want to learn more about how broadband works and what the federal opportunities are and things like that. So Very maybe nice. I'll be a little less white when uh, when you see me uh, <laughs> next time. <laughs> Awesome, Chris. Awesome. Doug, Thank you for the Oh, true. I was just going to say thanks. Thanks for including me. It's great to yeah. be on this show. Awesome. Well, it was a fun time. And uh, with that, we will cut it off. This has been another fun episode of Connect This. Mm -hmm.